You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Matthew chapter 27, read verse number 15 down through verse number 26. I love America, don't you? Love our country and thankful for what God has done in America. I'm concerned for America and uh, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We know God's in control. We could be living in the last days, at the end of the last days, really, right before Jesus returns. And uh, you read a lot of Bible prophecy, you don't really find America in Bible prophecy. And we know the Bible centers around Israel, really. It's a Jewish thing. God's been good right now. He's dealing with us Gentile people through the church. And uh, we have a lot to do till Jesus comes, was to occupy. And I believe there's still hope until Jesus comes to see God do a work here, even in our country, in our state, and in our city. I love America. More than America, I love Jesus. Amen there, right there. Matthew 27, stand with me if you could, please. We'll read a few verses and I'll give you the thought for tonight. And I pray the thought will be a help to all of us as it was a help to me. I was able to preach in Georgia Thursday and Friday. There's about 2,000 teenagers gathered together. Saw a lot of young people saved. And I tell you what, God used that in my life, maybe even more than the young people, just to reassure me that he's still on the throne. We saw God do great things here through our youth conference and a lot of young people saved and surrendered to the ministry. And God is still working. And I'm thankful for that. Matthew chapter 27, verse number 15. Now that feast, talking about the feast of Passover, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. It's by sort of a symbolic thing. Israel was released from their oppression at the Passover, and so they would release a prisoner, sort of throw the Jewish people a bone, and release a prisoner during the Feast of Passover. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor, isn't it amazing what peer pressure will make you do? Public opinion, what it will make you do? The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them. When he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. I want you to picture in your mind with me this situation. Pilate wants nothing to do with Jesus. He understands, I think, in his heart, this man has done nothing amiss. The Bible tells us he's just, he's holy, he never sinned, could not sin, did not sin. Pilate does not want to condemn him to the cross, and so he presents a man that he thinks would just totally be revolting to the crowd, a man named Barabbas. I don't doubt that middle cross was in fact intended for Barabbas. 
Possibly the two other men that were crucified with Jesus had been in the same gang as this man named Barabbas. He presents to them two, man, two men, a man who's obviously a criminal and a man who's done no guile, no sin whatsoever. He said, which one would you take, Jesus or Barabbas? He presents them with a choice. They have a decision to make. Choose one of these, Jesus or Barabbas. And you know the story. They cry out and they say, give us Barabbas and crucify Jesus. If you've listened to the singing today, every special, and I think every special, has centered around the idea or the ideal of freedom or liberty. There's just something about American people especially. We love freedom. Amen. Tonight, I believe, as Pilate was presenting those two men to that crowd, he was presenting more than just two criminals. He was presenting two ideas of freedom. Barabbas was a leader of insurrection against the Roman government. He typifies temporal or carnal freedom. Jesus came to set men free, put them at liberty, and when he sets them free, they'd be free indeed. His spiritual freedom is not temporal, it is eternal freedom. It is, I said, spiritual freedom. Tonight, I want to preach on this thought. Which freedom will you choose? Carnal freedom or spiritual freedom? I thought tonight about preaching my burden for America because I have a burden for America. I thought about preaching my burden for the church or churches because I have a burden for churches in our church. But I'm convinced the change that we need to see and the change that we need to see can only come from God. It won't start in our country and it won't even start collectively as a church, but it starts in the heart of an individual Christian. It'll start with a pastor. It'll start with a Sunday school teacher. It'll start with a mother, a father, a husband, a wife, a teenager. And it comes down to the decision that you make Tragedy or victory, really, which freedom will you choose? Let's pray tonight and we'll get into this thought. Lord, I pray for your power, please. I pray for liberty to preach. I pray that you'd help us to have church for a few moments tonight. I pray you'd hide me behind the cross and fill me with your spirit. Thank you for all the labor that's gone into making today such a great day. I pray for our fellowship that will follow with our church family. But right now, I pray that you would meet with us, tabernacle with us, show up among us. And I pray you'd speak to our hearts and challenge us, and we'll give you the glory for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I was reading in the dictionary back in the office, and the dictionary defines freedom like this. Listen to this dictionary. This is man. Being free or at liberty rather than in confinement. Exemption from external control, interference, or regulation. Then it said the power to determine action without restraint. That would be man's idea of freedom. Winston Churchill made the statement, all the great things are simple and many can be expressed in a single word, freedom. George Washington said this, our greatest happiness does not depend on the condition of life in which chance has placed us, but is always the result of a good conscience, good health, occupation, and freedom in all pursuits. The well-known statement by Patrick Henry, and what became the rallying cry for the American Revolution is, give me liberty, or give me freedom, or give me death. That's the most basic and probably the deepest desire that all of us have this evening. The need to have a sense of personal freedom. God's created us this evening with a free will. God's also given us a free conscience. And it's simply in us to long for freedom. We don't desire bondage. 
We don't pine for oppression. We don't seek a master to rule over us, but man is a creature, a creation of God that enjoys the idea of freedom. I can prove it to you tonight if I just rode shotgun with you through town. You get to an area where you think it ought not be 35, but 70, and you don't want anybody, even if they have blue lights on their car, telling you otherwise. And I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching to myself, and I think that we should say amen, and we're all right. We should just go how fast we want. I can prove it to you if you're like me. I don't like standing on those little dots at the airport six feet away from somebody else. I really don't like having to put on a mask. Say amen right there. I like my freedom. And I'm glad we still yet live in a free society. The country tonight that we call home is still known all over the world as the land of the free and the home of the brave. I like it. And as an American, I place a high premium on my freedom. Blood has been shed to protect my freedom. Laws have been given to ensure the continuance of my freedom. A man might not have a house. A man not, might not have land. A man might not have much money. There might be rags on his back and he might live in a shack on the wrong side of town. But if that man has a sense of freedom, somehow he still feels like he can advance himself in life. There's an aura of hope, if you will, that surrounds the idea of freedom. Man has been fashioned for freedom. Freedom's our heirloom passed down to us from Adam himself. And man is not content until man wrestles and fights and wins and owns his personal freedom. There were 56 men that signed our Declaration of Independence. If you study their lives, you find that their decision brought untold sufferings to them and their families. Of those 56 men, five were captured and tortured by the British and then died. Twelve of those men had their homes ransacked and burned to the ground. Two of those men lost their sons in the Revolutionary War. Another had two sons captured. Nine of those 56 men fought and died from wounds that they gained in the battle for our liberty. You say, why would they do that? Why would they lay down their lives? Why would they lose their fortune? Why would they forfeit their family? They were chasing that ideal that we all enjoy tonight, that idea or ideal of freedom. Now, I believe we live in a day tonight where freedom has been given a, given a fluid definition. Everybody wants freedom, or we could say everybody wants liberty, but they've opened that word up to private interpretation, and we find that some people define liberty or freedom one way, while other people define freedom or liberty another way. Now, there's an ongoing disagreement as to what freedom really is. Now, that's not really something new. That's been going on ever since man fell into sin in the Garden of Eden. But there's an ongoing disagreement as to what real freedom or true liberty actually is. God created Adam with a free will. Adam had perfect liberty in the Garden of Edom. But since Adam fell, man has been debating, man has been going back, to, back and forth, man has been redefining and manipulating what that meaning of freedom really is. Now I'm convinced tonight there really are two kinds of freedom that you can choose for your own life. Now, they're as different as night and day. They're as different and as far from each other as the east is from the west. They're as different as hot and cold and as distinct as death and life. 
One freedom is genuine freedom. The other is fool's gold. The devil has always had a counterfeit. The devil has a counterfeit Christ, the Antichrist. The devil has a counterfeit church, the synagogue of Satan. The devil has plenty of counterfeit Bibles. And I want us to understand this evening that it is of utmost importance as to what freedom you'll choose for yourself. Here in Matthew 27, Jesus is held as a prisoner. The upper room has already taken place. The last supper has happened. John has laid his head upon his breast and he's in the garden of Gethsemane praying. Judas has kissed his cheek and now Jesus is standing before the high priest at the very threshold of Calvary in Pilate's hall. If ever there was a question in your heart as to whether or not God loved you, you ought to go back and read passages like Matthew chapter number 27. If you ever doubt the sincerity of our Savior's love for us, go back and read the crucifixion and the scourging passages of your Bible. Can I say there's no love like the Savior's love for you and I. When you consider the scorning and consider the mocking and consider the pain and the torment of Calvary that he endured for my sin and for yours. Now this passage, I said, takes place during the Jewish feast of Passover. It was a custom in these days uh, for the Roman governor to release a prisoner to sort of appease his Jewish subjects. He would throw them a bone, if you will. Now the Jewish people are under subjection to the Roman government. They're not free people. They're living under the thumb of the Roman government. Now Pilate is seeking to keep these people at peace and loyal, if you will, to Caesar. He presents them with a candidate for release at Passover. They've done this before. This is nothing unusual except for one of these men is going to be the very son of God. In verse 16 and 17, we read about these two prisoners. Look at what it says in verse 16. They had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will you that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? Now, if you read the parallel passages in Mark and in Luke, you find Barabbas is a very notable criminal, like the Bible says. He's an infamous man. His name would fall into the same category as a Demas or a Judas. He's a bad character. We don't know a whole lot about his backstory, but we can tell by his current situation, he's a carnal man, he's a killing man, he's a corrupt man, he's a man who's a criminal, and he deserves every bit of punishment that is coming toward him. The Bible said he's a thief, the Bible said he's a robber, and the Bible said he's a leader of a rebellion against the Roman government. Barabbas to the Jewish people would represent a kind of freedom, if you will. They didn't like being oppressed by the Romans. They didn't like having to bow down to Caesar. They didn't like living under the Roman oppressors. You better believe there was a segment of that society that if they could have their way, they'd want Barabbas and his crowd to take control and overthrow not just Pilate, but Caesar and all of Rome. Now, I think Pilate 
brought Barabbas forward because he thought surely they'll choose Jesus over Barabbas. I mean, surely they wouldn't take a man that's committed no wrong and crucify him when they have a man that is a robber, a murderer, a thief, a servant, a sedition. Surely they would take Jesus over Barabbas. But you read on and, and you find their decision. See those men in your mind. Here stands Barabbas. He's deplorable. He's depraved. He's a deadly man. He's standing there. He's condemned. He's guilty. And everybody knows it's so. Then you have the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. He never spoke a bad word. He never had a bad thought. He came to love, to seek and save that which is lost. He came to uh, take those that were unrighteous and wrap them in his righteousness. He came to where they were, the outcast, the broken, and he made them whole. And he presents these two men, this man that's obviously carnal and this man that is spiritual, this man that's condemned and this man that has no condemnation, this man that is all flesh and this one that is the very son of God. And he said, who would you have? This man that deserves to die or this man that's done no wrong? And it's amazing that bloodthirsty throng for envy stirred up by popular opinion. They cry out, we'll take Barabbas, crucify Jesus. Let Barabbas go and crucify Jesus. It's a horrible thing to consider. They're choosing upon personality. They're choosing upon personal agenda. They're choosing according to prophecy. But I think it goes even deeper than that. In the carnal mind of these men, they're making a decision as to what kind of freedom they really want. It's like Pilate saying this. Do you want temporal freedom or eternal freedom? Do you want carnal freedom or spiritual freedom? Do you want real freedom or counterfeit freedom? Do you want freedom that lasts or freedom that passes in a moment? What kind of freedom will you choose? This freedom is freely given and that freedom will come at a high cost. What freedom do you want? Short-sighted freedom or eternal freedom? Seasonal pleasure or joy evermore? A benefit that is external or a blessing that is supernatural and internal. What kind of freedom do you want? It's like Pilate saying this, the choice is yours. Everybody wants freedom. But what matters tonight is what kind of freedom you choose for your life. Tonight you have a choice to make. Flesh or spirit. Sin or righteousness. Bondage or liberty. Darkness or light. Death or light. Now tonight, we don't even have to ask the question. You can look around and see. People here, we're freedom-loving American people. And all of us tonight would say that we love our freedom and we desire to maintain our freedom. And I think that we'd even fight and die if need be to protect our freedom. We want freedom tonight. We want freedom for our eyes. We want freedom for our hands. We want freedom for our feet. We want freedom for our mouth. We want freedom for our body. We want freedom to live our life the way that we see fit. And in a civil sense, that's perfectly fine. We ought to have those liberties. Those liberties have been purchased by the blood of our soldiers. And we ought to have that 
that kind of freedom in our life. And I thank God for that. I'm glad as an American, I walk on free ground and I breathe free air and I scan a free horizon. This is the land of liberty and freedom does blossom out of the soil of our country. But tonight, my question is this. On this day where we make much about freedom, I'm here to preach tonight to a bunch of folks that have to make a decision whether you really want to be free and free indeed or to live in bondage this evening. What kind of freedom are you talking about? Do you want spiritual freedom or carnal freedom? There's a greater freedom tonight than civil freedom. There's a greater freedom tonight than religious freedom. There's a greater freedom than that what causes us to salute a flag or stand for a pledge. I'm talking about freedom, not freedom from my Lord, but freedom found in my Lord. Tonight, can I tell you, if you've not experienced it, I probably can't explain it, but I'll just say it like this. It is good when Jesus sets you free. You read in our text and you find that they have to choose between two freedoms. These are two roads in opposite directions. These are two courses charted in different ways. And tonight, every Christian is gonna have to make the same decision for your own life. What kind of freedom are you talking about? Some folks say they want freedom, but what they mean is they want license. And then there's some of us that say we have freedom and we're talking about liberty in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad I'm not free from my Savior. I'm free in my Savior. I'm glad he set me free. I'm glad I'm not chained by the the binds of this world. I'm glad I'm not caged in by the old carnality. But I'm glad Jesus can step in and set the captive free. One of these choices will destroy your life. It'll break your home apart. It'll lead to divorce and prodigal children and loss of purity and wrecked dreams. One of these choices will appeal as freedom, but really it just pleases the flesh and places you in bondage. Which freedom will you choose? All men desire freedom, but what freedom are you talking about? There might be some here tonight, you're literally struggling with that choice. We've preached on this so much. I've talked through Romans and Galatians, but you're two people. You're a new man if you're saved. And he cannot sin. He lives on the inside and he loves reading the Bible and he loves prayer and he loves camp meeting and church and revival and Sunday school. He loves everything spiritual. But then you got an old man, that's what we can see with our eye. And your old man, your flesh, absolutely hates everything about God tonight. And those two forces war constantly one with the other and tug your heart in different directions. I don't doubt there's some of you tonight struggling with their choice because all of us struggle with that choice and you battle the desire of the flesh and the carnal nature to live a life free of God. And in their estimation, folks like that, they think if I can just get rid of God, then I can really be free. They want freedom to continue in sin and freedom to continue in immorality and freedom to do as they want to do. And they don't want what they see as bondage that comes from living uh, as a bond servant to the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's some carnality has them chasing this fancied idea of freedom that is not freedom at all. They want to continue in sin, not realizing that sin enslaves. They want to live in immorality, not knowing that their own base desires hold them captive. They want freedom to do as they please, not knowing that pleasure is fleeting and the devil delights in the fact that they please their flesh. Man thinks if he can do away with God, he can be free. That's why our world wants to ban prayer in our public schools. That's why the world doesn't want to pray at congressional meetings. That's why the world doesn't like our church and censors Christianity on social media. They think if we just got rid of God, then we could be free and free free in 
indeed. But can I say, without surrender to the Holy Ghost of God, you'll be a slave to your passion, a servant to your lust, and bound in sin. 2 Corinthians 3, 17, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Jesus said, the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Romans 8, 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Romans says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Can I say when Jesus died on the cross. All of our sin was nailed to the cross with him and we can have victory over that besetting sin. We don't have to live a slave to our passions. We don't have to live a slave to our flesh. We don't have to live a slave to our carnality. You can overcome that and have victory in Jesus. Be filled with the Spirit and then be free and free indeed. God's a gentleman and by that I mean he won't impose his will on you. He'll let you choose but how you choose is of utmost importance. You can take every instance of bondage known to the history of man. None of it is as horrible as the bondage of sin and flesh. Worse than making bricks for Pharaoh. If you're here today, you've got to choose. I know what you're thinking. Some folks say, well, I'd become a Christian if you're not saved. They say, I'd become a Christian, but... I used to think that. I'd, I'd like to get saved, but I don't want to have to quit this and I don't want to have to start that can I say that's irrational thinking some people are saying well I'm a Christian and I'd submit myself to Christ but can I say you don't know what you're missing and you begin to list all the rules and all the expectations and all the standards that you think are going to be placed upon your life and so you won't make the decision to follow Christ. Can I say you don't know what you're talking about tonight? I used to sit there. I used to think that way. But then, thank God, I stepped out of the bondage side into the liberty side. I didn't want freedom to sin. I think I like freedom from sin. I don't want freedom to the flesh. I want freedom from my flesh. I don't want the pain and the pull and the pressure that comes with living a life of lust. I want to be filled with the Spirit of God. You ask the drunk tonight, he'll say he's free. He'll take his bottle and he'll sing his song and say, I'm free. Yes, free indeed. While he sleeps in the ditch at night, while he scrounges for change in the cushions of the couch, while he's out there walking the street trying to find another fix to get him through the day, that man's not free. That man's in bondage like never before. You go ask the drug addict tonight and they'll sing their song and say, I'm free. Yes, I'm free indeed. While they put things in their veins, while they get weird diseases while they sleep out under a bridge someplace while they wallow in their own vomit they wreck their family and they say I'm free no they're not free they're in bondage like never before this evening you ask that, that Christian young person I don't want to live pure that preacher's advice is too old fashioned we don't need those standards I don't need to stay away from the opposite sex that's an old fogey I want to be free yes free indeed then you go visit that young lady and she gives birth to a child she didn't want or that young man who's wrecked his testimony. Somebody help me when I preach tonight. And they say, I'm free. You're not free. You're more in bondage than ever before. Romans 6, 15. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves, servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. You're not free. Outside of Christ, you're only free in Christ. Man desires freedom, but our sin nature leads us to believe freedom's anti-God when in fact freedom is only found in God. 
Isaiah 61, one, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Jesus quoted this. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. You see, not me. I'm not going to be subject to that. I'm not doing that. You're just like the manic of Gadara. Outside of your mind, wrapped in chains, living among the tombs. You're just like Lazarus, dead so you stink, so corrupt, wrapped in grave clothes. I want to say this tonight. The Bible's not my oppressor. The Bible's my liberator. The Bible's not my taskmaster. The Bible's my rescuer. The King James Bible, it's not my sentence of slavery. It's my emancipation proclamation. Psalm 119, 45, I'll walk at liberty for I seek thy precepts. James 1, 25, he said he looked into the perfect law of liberty. The dictionary I read at the beginning, it got it wrong. Freedom is not detachment. Freedom is dependence. Freedom is not detachment. Freedom is deliverance. And I'm glad I didn't get detached. I got hooked up to God when I got saved. And he set me free, thank God. And can I say it's not just for lost people. It's not just the drunk or the drug addict or whoever else that needs set free from their bondage. It's Christian folks that have to make the choice whether or not to live to the flesh or be filled and follow the Spirit of God. This backslidden, worldly, biblically ignorant crowd is they're fleeing Bible-believing churches as fast as they can because they want their freedom. What they really want is license to live like their laws and sell their free pass of grace to go to heaven. Christian, if you're today and you're saved... If you're not fully submitted to Christ, you've got the wrong kind of freedom. I'm glad you're saved, but if you want peace and victory, you've got to give it all to Jesus tonight. Here's what Christians say. I want freedom. I want my freedom. I want to dress how I want to dress. Newsflash. I dress how I want to dress. It's like, can you believe it? Pray for me. I'm so oppressed. He looks out his window at me all day long. And that's true, though. <laughs> I'm wearing what I want to wear. My wife tried to get me to wear my American flag like Fenera, and I said no. She even texted me and said, Tabitha said, you need to wear this. I said, I'm not Chris. Anyway, uh, I want my freedom. He said, I want my freedom to dress how I want to dress. That's not freedom. That's bondage. Because what you're doing is you're in bondage to somebody's opinion. Uh-oh. You're in bondage to what you saw on the cover of Vogue. You're in bondage to five likes on your Facebook post. I want my freedom to live my own lifestyle. That's not freedom. That is bondage because you're trying to keep up with your lost neighbors. I want my freedom to use my own kind of language. That's not freedom. That's bondage. You can't, you can't master your tongue. It's just a little member. That's bondage. I want my freedom. I want to be free to worship. You don't want to be free to worship. That's bondage. You want your kind of worship. You don't want to worship biblically. That's bondage. You're worried about what your peers think and not what the Bible says. I want my freedom of music. I want my freedom of relationships. I want my freedom about church attendance. I'll show up every once in a while. I want to go do and act how I want to act. 
act. I just want to dance around this thing. I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to be very Christ-like on the journey. Can I say that is the worst way to live the Christian life? It is not a bad thing to try to follow in the footsteps of our Lord. It's a blessing to try to be more like Jesus every day. And we all fall short and we all have flaws. I understand, but it's submitting to the spirit of God. Galatians 5, 13 for brethren, you've been called into liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love, serve one another. There's a crowd out there that would say this is legalism, what we're doing tonight, and they're liber at liberty. But the Bible says liberty is never to be used for an occasion for the flesh. So if there's more flesh, it's obviously not biblical liberty, it is license. 1 Peter 2.16 is free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. True liberty does not give me open season to sin. True liberty causes me to want to submit to the Spirit of God. I thank God for law. We talk all about grace, but I thank God for law. I'm glad that it's illegal to murder people. That protects me. We talk a lot about legalism. I thank God for law. I thank God for, I was joking about the speed limits, but I thank God for that. When we moved here, it's all multicultural, and I'm not going to get into this, but some folks, man, the driving, <laughs> it scares me half to death. I preached in Columbia a few years ago, and they have no lanes on their road, but the cars are five wide. I thank God for America, and we have lines on the road and signs with speed limits. That law does not oppress me. That law keeps me free. You say, but I don't want all the rules and regulations. Those very principles that you fear and you hate are the very things that grant you the liberty that you need in Christ. They say, you're just a legalist. It's amazing to me. Those people, if they're so free, why are they so wrapped up in what I'm doing? I don't follow every compromising little preacher that used to be an independent Baptist around and talk bad about them on the internet, but they're crazy. They're that's a stalker. That's weird. It's sad. I mean, they're suckered in so easy. Laws aren't just to keep you from doing what you want to do. They're to protect you from danger. The prodigal son wasn't free in the hog pen. He was free at the father's house. David wasn't free with Bathsheba. Samson wasn't free with Delilah. Peter wasn't free when he went fishing. Elimelech wasn't free in the far countries in Moab. Saul, or Paul the apostle, he wasn't free when he was persecuting Christians. Lot didn't find freedom there in Sodom. Romans 6, 12 through 14, and I'll wrap up in another hour. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, if you're not under the law, but under grace. And what does grace do? Grace helps me live a little bit more like Jesus. Titus 2, 11 to 12. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Can I say there's no liberty in liquor? There's no liberty in lust. There's no liberty in loose living. There's no liberty in longing and looking out at the world like Lot did at Sodom. There's liberty in Christ. 
Galatians 5.1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The Christian life, I teach to my Sunday school class, has one throne and there's one cross and it all hangs on who you put on the throne and who you nail to that cross every single day. There's not victory when you win. There's victory when you lose yourself in Jesus Christ. And you've got to make the decision. Today, Jesus, as a living sacrifice, I climb on the cross and you take the throne. That's freedom. Romans 8, 13, for if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. You've got to choose Barabbas or Jesus. Doubt or assurance. Shame or victory. Heartache or peace. Guilt or reassurance. Pleasure for a season or I said joy forevermore. You've got to decide sensual or spiritual. The flesh or the spirit. The hog pen, the father's house. You or God. You don't have to cry for me. I'm free. I lived long enough in the world. I didn't get raised in this. I didn't grow up in a Christian utopia. I had a good home and a good family. We went to church. But I lived out in the world until I was 21 got saved late. And there's nothing from the other side of the fence that I wish I had back. I am free to pray tonight. And I can talk to Jesus anytime. I am free to witness today. Tell people how to go to heaven. I am free to give and help to advance the work of God. I am free to worship and glorify my Savior. I am free to walk circumspectly and separate from this world. I am free to attend church. I am free in what I put adorn. I am free to have a sweet spirit to other people. Don't cry for me. You see, I was Barabbas. That middle cross was for me. And I don't want to ever forget that fact. It's not hard to lay down your life whenever he laid down his life for you. And I understand that middle cross was meant for me. That was me that should have been hanging there in agony and woe. But Jesus died in my place. So it's not hard to sing all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Let me make a couple statements. Number one, God desires for you to enjoy life. Biblical principle, holy standards. And by the way, whatever standard you set for yourself wouldn't be as high as the standard God would set if he came here and talked to you personally. <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever been too holy for God. God wants you to enjoy life. That's why he gave you Romans 6, 7, 8, book of Galatians. Number two, our carnal nature is at odds with God. All of us have it. We are progressively being sanctified. We are positionally sanctified in Christ when we got saved. But we're progressively being worked on, conformed to the image of Christ, and none of us have arrived. And until we see Jesus face to face and our feet are kicking up gold dust on the streets of heaven, we're not going to have it perfect. Say amen right there. we we'll have a carnal nature. Number three, God will not force his will on you. You have the freedom to choose how you live your life. But if that crowd who's gone prodigal is so happy, then why are they so bitter? Why are they so antagonistic? One guy said, I'm so glad I'm free. And he, had to, he made the statement. I'm like, you wouldn't have to make the statement if you were free. I don't get all over and say, I'm so glad I'm free. You know, I don't have time for that. I'm trying to, you know, be a husband and stuff like that. Mm. <laughs> Feeling a little ornery. Lincoln's out of town, so we've been dating the last couple days. It's been great. All right, last statement. Every one of us have to make our own choice. If you don't choose the right kind of freedom, I wonder how it'll affect your life. 
If you choose wrong as to this thought tonight, how would it affect your marriage? If you don't get this right, how's it going to affect your children? If you don't get this right, how's it going to affect your walk with God, the blessings that God wants to give you in life? What will you miss? You say, well, nobody's going to tell me how to live. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Yeah, somebody is going to. Oh, yeah, somebody is going to. You say, nah, -uh. oh, yeah, your flesh is going to. Or you can let the Spirit tell you what to do. And it's sweet to be free in Jesus tonight. We sing that song, He set me free. Yes, He set me free. And He did at salvation. But we so often walk right back and get entangled again in that yoke of bondage, that spider web of worldliness. And tonight on July 4th, it'd be a good night to declare a declaration of dependence. Amen. Upon the Spirit of God. And say, I want to be free. Yes, free indeed. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.